Over the last uh, few weeks, we've, uh, John and myself, we, we've asked everybody to think about the concept of, of building spiritual momentum in their life. And in order to do that, you have to be a bit of uh, an investigator because you have to look on inside your own life and to take the analogy of swimming to see where you're swimming with the current, uh, the current being God's Spirit, uh, those areas of our life where that's working, where, where our life is being changed, where the image of Christ is being formed inside of us. Those are the things we want to continually build. Those are the things that we, we want to be an object in motion. Because when we're in motion, we'll continue in, in that same motion to that same end, which ends to, to the image of Christ being formed in us. How we think, how we act, what we do, that, that's the goal. And so we, at the beginning of the year, we want to look inwardly, either as, as individuals, but also as a, as a body here, about where's that working. And where, wherever it is, we want to continue. At the same time, where it's not working, where, where we're either swimming against the current or maybe we're at an object at rest and we're, for whatever reason, we're not swimming with the current, we want to change those or at least begin the process of that change. And as difficult as change may be, and no one likes change, it still sits within the realm of choice. It really is amazing what one simple choice, what it can do. Because one simple choice can lead to another simple choice and then another choice and another choice. And then when you, when you add the factor of time to that, choice and time can be very effective in the life of a person. And so we want to be about that type of business because it's amazing what one simple choice over and over again over a period of time how that can actually lead to transformation building spiritual momentum and so if i could wrap up this sermon series in you know today and to reduce it down to uh the most succinct way, it would involve two topics, your time and your money. In our society, that's how we value things. I mean, it doesn't matter what they are. I mean, it, I mean you know, on one level, it's just either metal or, or paper or numbers on a screen or, or hands on a clock, but in our society... We equate other things as a value when it comes to our time and money. It can be a home, it can be food, it can be education, it can be entertainment, it could be anything. If it's important to us and if it's something that we value, then that's where our time and our money will be. And it's not just for us, and it's not something new. I mean, in Jesus' day, where your treasure is, there will be what? Your heart. What you value. What's important. And if you ever want to take a, a really interesting look at your life and, and really see what you value, just record how you spend your time 
or how you spend your money. I mean, the facts will be the facts. It'll disclose what's important to you. So not only does time and money, though, I mean, everything else seems to be, to, can be reduced into those because it's how we give value, how we ascribe value to things. But at the same time, time and money is also security, freedom. I mean, they're not bad or immoral. I mean, the Bible doesn't fault time and money as, as being morally evil or wrong. I mean, in the Luke's passage, the farmer's not ridiculed for having fields that produced. For having a harvest. To use different analogies, something separate from farming. It's not faulted for receiving a raise, for investments paying off. It's not called a fool because he built a bigger barn. Farmers by nature are barn builders. So it's not that time and money itself is it's morally neutral. The struggle for the man in the passage or for the farmer, and the struggle for us is what we do with them. Because therein lies the real temptation. We talk about security, talk about value, we talk about freedom, and the things that are used to give those, they're a means to be a blessing. So it's not the fact that you have. It's what we do with it. Our time, our money, that can either be moral or immoral. Which is why Paul constantly told Timothy to be rich in good works. I don't know if you are familiar with the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is in the top five books for me in the Bible. Love the book of Proverbs. Uh, mainly, I, I like the, it, it, every time I read Proverbs, I envision it's either like a grandparent talking to a grandchild or, or a parent to a child. And, and the whole purpose is how does one generation give life advice to the next generation? And, and the goal in the book of Proverbs is that one will pass on wisdom or pass on, but maybe the better word is discernment. You know, wisdom discernment is the ability to, to see and process the events of life around you in ways that lead to wholeness and lead to peace. And so either the things that you have or the things that have been given to you, they're, they're not the end themselves. They're a means to an end. And when we get that mixed up, that's when we get in trouble. That's where we have issues, problems. Which is why greed can be like a virus. Because it sees time and money as the end themselves. And not the means to bless another or to do something larger. They're tools for something greater. 
The goal in the, lot, in the book of Proverbs is that a person would, would, would have a good and a fulfilled and, and a righteous life where one is at peace in their relationships and, and their reputation is strong and it's good and, and they live out of their faith, which means it's going to take wisdom. And so things like money and like time, they're used to help feed this, create this. I mean, after all, what does it gain a person to have all the riches in the world and lose their life? And we think that's just part of the parable, but the the sad thing is we know for some that's a reality. So it's not just a fictitious story. Something that Jesus talked about on the Samaritan narratives when he's walking down the road. And greed is what happens when we, we're, it's the result of misguided discernment where we miss the bigger picture. You know, it's amazing to me how generosity broadens the scope of a person's life. Generosity in anything. Because it changes how you see the world around you. And something like greed does the opposite. It narrows the sight. It makes people small. And generosity makes them large. Because it, it, it changes how they see, and so they're able to see something beyond their own backyard. Because when we practice generosity, what, what it, it actually forms bonds with people. It's like another person is grafted into your life, and, and you're grafted into their life. And so it creates things that wasn't there beforehand. And not only, does it, not only does it create that in their life, it changes your life because people then live in a continual state where they reprioritize their life. And so they're able to keep what is of most value to them always in the place where it needs to be because they see things differently. I mean, it's amazing how generosity works. I mean, on one level, Proverbs 11.24 sounds like the most asinine thing in the Bible. Give freely and you'll become more wealthy. Where's that true? Like a paradox. And yet it's true. Because it changes how you see the world around you. How you see the people around you. How you see your own life. It makes a person large. Not small. We can be power wealthy, money wealthy, influence wealthy. And yet, if we're not love wealthy or grace wealthy, 
we're always going to live with an imbalance. And our life is going to be out of kilter. And it happens all the time. So every, every year for St. Paul, beginning of the year, we want to start with generosity. And for us, we, this is uh, where we pool our time and our money to make a difference in the community around us. And whether or not that's here local or around the globe, it still is our community. And so we talk about it in terms of inside the walls. And so some of our time and money, we spend it here inside of our walls for the purpose of creating an environment so that when people walk through the threshold of this building, they find a place that's home. For some, it's a place of healing. It's a place of growth. It's a place they call family. It's a place that they, they find accountability. It's home for them. Can't do it without time and money. For others, it's not inside the walls. It's outside the walls. What we don't do at St. Paul, if you're visiting St. Paul, we're not about trying to create a St. Paul chieftain. That's not our purpose. What we do outside of these walls is we find and team up with other people, other agency, other ministries that are very effective either in our community, around the globe, and we want to just swim with them in the, in the current. And so we give our resources so that they can be more effective. But it doesn't matter if we talk about it inside the walls or outside the walls, the same principle applies. Cannot do it. As uncomfortable as you like hearing this, cannot do it without your time and without your money. So we ask you to be generous. To give to our ministries, with your time, and with your money. So that either inside or outside these walls, people experience the presence of God. And they find hope and wholeness. That's what we want to be about. And so we talk about building spiritual momentum in some form or fashion in your life it's going to evolve, involve both of these things. So we ask you to be generous. Find those places that are working in your life where God's presence is there and creating His image and swim with it. And in those areas that are not, even if, it is, even if it starts with the, the, time, the smallest of choices, seek to build momentum. Oh God, as we move into a time of preparing our hearts for communion, that's building momentum. Because the image of one who 
gave of his life in ways of generosity that far outweigh what we can even fathom for the wholeness of another. Oh, Lord, that's the one we worship. And so in all of this, O oh God, we ask for your presence to guide and direct us. And we pray this in your name. Amen.